right, we're back with part two. <laughs> Even do. better than the first. Do it. The reality, <laughs> do. Back with Brett. I'm Brian. We're talking about virtual reality. And um, so I was, one of the things that, that was interesting too, I mentioned to you was uh, Elon Musk chimed in on this. And he was saying that um, when he was asked, are we living in a simulation? And he was saying, based on mathematical probabilities and all these different things, it's it's extremely likely that we're living in a simulation. And you know, in the future, you know, virtual reality became so advanced that it was it was um, it looked no different than this reality. And there's millions and millions of virtual realities, and we're in one of those virtual realities now, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we're not in the real one. And I was saying to you that I, I fully resonate with that, except that I don't think that there is a one reality that's the real reality. Mm. I think it's all virtual realities. And that's what I feel like I heard you say when I talked to you, and that's what I feel like I heard you say in the video yeah. that I watched today, too. Yeah, I, yeah I, don't, I think that the question of, you said um, is, you don't think that there's one real reality. I think even that languaging mm -hmm. is um, is interesting. Yeah, it's almost like, like the word reality almost sounds like like real, mm -hmm. even though that's not the, how the word's structured. But it feels like talking about reality is to say this is an experience that we can share. Mm -hmm. I, I do think that it's defined by the ability to share it, recreate it. Mm -hmm. Somehow, I could say here's my reality and you can take it and say oh I, I can see that reality I can experience that reality almost like you're saying that's like real for me too and and so I don't I mean I think Elon Musk's a really interesting and impressive person I think Einstein's a really interesting and impressive person the question of whether or not we're in a simulation I, I wonder why that's important mm -hmm. um, like to me, I think what, what what's interesting to me about it is there's this sense of this is reality. This is real. Like I remember when I was young, you know, hi mom. My parents sometimes would be like, get real, like be realistic, you know. Don't be dreaming for that. It's like pipe dreams, you know. Yeah. And that's something I hear a lot, sort of growing up. It's like deal with reality, get with yeah. reality. This yeah. this is real. This little thing is reality, you know. Just stick in, get inside it, and be in it, and, and be satisfied with what you have. Yeah. And I think it's. What's what's exciting or what's liberating is to realize that this, whatever someone's pointing to, is one version of reality, and there's lots of different versions of reality, and I can I can give my attention to other realities, and there's potential what I'm discovering is even to create worlds, to create universes, yeah. and to play in there with other people that want to play in them with me. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's so still, it's still the theme is shared, right? Yeah. It's, it's saying, here's a real thing, let me share it with you. And when you experience that thing that I've shared with you or that someone else has shared with you, then you, then I think then it becomes a reality. Yeah. You could say it's a real thing, and, and that's totally one valid way of saying it, but you can also say it the other way, which sometimes I find more exciting, which is, here's my imagination. Mm -hmm. I want to share my imagination with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And I think there's real power in communication mm -hmm. when we are communicating from 
the imagination. Mm -hmm. Like, I imagine that what you're experiencing is this, this, and this. Yep. It's kind of inarguable because um, it's based on something that's not necessarily, it's not arguably yeah. real. Yeah. It's just my yeah. imagination. So, yeah. I like the twist on that. So, if, I wonder if we use the same words, right? So, if I take an imagination and share it with you, does it change the imagination? Does it define the imagination? Does it maybe make it more real? Like, does it cross that spectrum? I think if I share my imagination with you, it allows you to co-create that imaginary world with me. And ultimately, making it more real. Potentially. Potentially. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of what, this is what marketing is. Right? When you say more real, you mean take it from like an idea form to yeah. sort of a manifest form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is sort of what marketing does, right? Every marketer knows that they're going to sell you an idea, an mm -hmm. imaginary idea that mm -hmm. you, that theoretically they want you to embrace mm -hmm. and buy the thing that will mm -hmm. make that imagination a real yeah. experience. Yeah. I think that that's, um, I mean, it, this feels really off in the uh, in the rabbit hole uh -huh. like I don't know where this rabbit hole goes I, I always find myself find fascinated out. by the tangents <laughs> let's find out so what uh, imagining I think that you shared an imagining a moment ago oh Elon Musk's so if we imagine yeah that we're in a simulation mm -hmm. uh, that, that I think that that's saying this conscious experience mm -hmm is manifested through some layer on top that's saying here's here here consciousness experience this simulation mm -hmm. um, and so who's that mm -hmm. that's saying here do this here right. have this have this right. imaginary experience right I want to know who that is well see this this is right so this is why I say ultimately to me this becomes like mystical conversation mm -hmm. because to me who is that is us we're that because there is nothing separate from me or you we're 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 one we had, we've had conversations before so I think they can follow <laughs> <laughs> there's a sense of oneness there's no separation and then so Whatever is out there is actually a reflection of the same intelligence. When I say me, I don't mean me, Brian. You know, I'm saying there's something beyond the ego, something beyond the story, the identification of the story. So that same intelligence is creating everything, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so, it's, so then it's not a, it's, it's not a scary thing. It's not a disempowering. Thing. Right. Totally. Mm -hmm. So I had this a really fascinating experience when I was 18 years old. Mm -hmm. I went uh, and lived in Budapest, Hungary. Okay. Per year, and I learned the language, and I didn't know anybody when I went over there. Mm -hmm. And here's what I remember so distinctly that that gave me an, a direct experience of this illusion and, mm -hmm. and how the source of my imaginings mm -hmm. about this reality are are come from me. Yeah. Um, so I had my circle of friends in high school, and then I graduated high school, and then I went to Europe mm -hmm. for a year. So 11 months I'm there, and while I'm in high school in Budapest. I'm seeing people who are all Hungarian, mm -hmm. and they're they've all got different names, they've got different faces, but their personalities. As I get to meet them and learn them, I find my circle of friends 
in the Hungarians, mm. right? So I find my buddy John, and I find my buddy Todd and Josh and Karis and all the people that I grew up with. It was like embodied in this Hungarian person mm -hmm. named Anna or named Bolaj or like who, whoever those people were there. And I realized for myself, firsthand experience, that it was me who was defining who John was or who Bolaj was. And it was me who was putting that lens on um, who, who is this person in relationship to yeah. me. And yeah. then I would relate to them as if they were my best friends. And that I, I do think that that, um, that, I think that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, and I would take it even farther. One thing I've been really exploring, because I've, I've been looking, um, we, there's a 11-year-old there's a, there's a, uh, here where I'm staying who plays video games, right? So these games, these movies, these stories, these novels, they generally have a villain, you know, an evil person, an evil character. And I think that we really, we really want to create that too. Like we're, we want to create that, there's something about us that enjoys that, that polarity, mm -hmm. right? Um, so if you can realize that, oh, I'm creating that character too, then there's the ability to love that character as a reflection of your of yourself as a, as a part of the game that you've created your virtual reality right <laughs> yeah the, the villain conversation is interesting because well it, it makes me think of uh, a thought I have about peace mm -hmm. right so if, if there's if there's a purpose in my life I believe it's to create peace mm -hmm. um, and in thinking about that I find myself questioning well why isn't there peace mm -hmm. right and I think um, for myself, I'm, I'm conflict-driven, right? So I'm, I'm driven to find differences in people and understand how to disrupt or shake up a programming, right? Since we're used, we, yeah. we use that conversation yeah, earlier. Like that, yeah. right? So if I'm going to shake up your programming, mm -hmm. then I'm naturally going to bring conflict into your life. Mm -hmm. I'm going to disrupt you, I'm going to do, right? And I'm going to introduce that. That doesn't create peace, right? It creates conflict. It, it introduces this roughness. So I asked myself why, like, why peace doesn't happen naturally. And here's what I think is my truth about it: it's boring. Yeah. Right. And it's a, it's something that I don't even like hearing myself say, but I do think that when we're in a state of total harmony, peace, mm -hmm. it's boring. Now. I think boredom is a great thing. Mm -hmm. I think boredom is as great as peace. Mm -hmm. Because I think that through boredom we find creative ways. We find a lot of interesting creativity, right? Mm -hmm. Meditation is boring. Um, walk, you know, sometimes walking is boring. Like, there's a lot of things, like when we train as an athlete, mm -hmm. it can be boring. And even worse, it can be hard. Mm -hmm. Right? It's not just I don't have something to connect to or get engaged with. But like the thing that I'm engaging with mm -hmm. sucks, mm. <laughs> like it's hard, mm. and so, uh, so I do think that there's, like I would like to find a way to find peace and maintain it, mm -hmm. and even um, I think that it's a place to return to, but like balance, mm -hmm. we don't move forward when we stay in balance, mm -hmm. like we move forward when we go out of balance. We're bipedal, right? We walk with one step and the left step and the right step. And if we don't ever go out of balance in order to take a step, we don't move. Mm -hmm. So there's, it's almost like there's no evolution without conflict. There's no 
direction, there's no um, momentum without imbalance and conflict. So I think we need a villain in order to move a story. Yeah. And I and maybe that's a programming like but like just to go a meta level on that like I would love to find the answer to the question of creating peace and balance without and and being just okay with it. Yeah. I don't know. It just sort of feels like death. Let me, let me dive in here. <laughs> I like I like what you're sharing. So, so the phrase that came to my consciousness is conscious conflict. That yeah. just kind of came into yeah. conscious cool. conflict. So it's like there's a there's a conflict I'm engaging in in order for myself to learn and grow and evolve and evolve in my consciousness, become a better person, however you want to however you want to say. It. Right. So um, I'm being challenged, or maybe I'm inviting you to challenge me, or I'm challenging you to evolve and grow. So it's all three from a place of, of love. Yeah. You like know, really. Origin. Yeah. And then there's conflict where I'm just resistant to them. Oh, this moment sucks. I hate this moment, you know. And I don't I think that's just a stuckness. That's mm-hmm. not that's not the bipedal movement. Uh-huh. You know? So I can see like like flavors I, of Yeah, so so to go to your point about relationships and Andy can attest to this, I don't think that relationships that are in his continual peace I don't I don't first of all I don't think it's real and second of all I don't think it's good. You know, I think that I think there's some there's some there's a there's a certain tension, there's a certain level of conscious conflict of challenge that allows you to really grow and evolve and expand together. Now, if it's too much, then you're just gonna like you know, just uh, yeah, what's the word like just self destruct or something. Spontaneously or, you know, yeah. combust. So spontaneously <laughs> combust. <laughs> so you want a certain balance where it's like a little bit and you you can move through it, and then there's like a and then there's a little bit more you can move through it. Um, and in a conscious way, not in a way of like trying to like, name calling or belittling or anything like that. In a way that's that's just a natural way of you're growing, you're growing and you're, you're evolving together. Um, and so I think like, and that's the stories that we love. Like I was saying, like, there's there's the good person, the bad person, the hero and the villain. But a lot of times in the in the movie stories you really love, the villain in the end, oftentimes becomes a good person, mm-hmm. or they do they do do one thing, they make this one gesture at the end that shows that they've grown or they've evolved or they make you know they do this one act and it's like yes you know we love it um so it's like in the story there's 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 a there's a movement and even the hero usually has some fault some you know some sense of some um something that's considered like a a negative trait and they 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 go beyond that they transcend that Mm -hmm. you know the the movie's usually like about that you know the courage that they that they show, so I think that that that's all what makes a great story. And we love we love great stories. Like we love to watch them, but we love to be in them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so then the meta meta is there's and this is people like Eckhart Tolle. I'm doing something tonight about stillness. You know, people like I'm thinking of people like Eckhart Tolle. And these people speak to this this piece that's not in the story. So you're never gonna find it in the story, mm-hmm. you know. Even though we're looking to find it in the story, it's something that's beyond the story. It's this kind of um, uh, beyond the content. It transcends the content of what's happening, what's rising and falling. And I think this is what I know you've delved into meditation, and this is what um, people point at, mm-hmm. you know. So I think realizing both those levels of like, yes, I'm embracing the story as a story, but I'm not gonna look for something in the story that I can't find. In the story, what does that make sense? <laughs> no, I, didn't, I, didn't I don't think you you can find a sense of absolute peace in a story, uh-huh. and we don't like you said we don't really want to. Uh-huh. 
but we can find it beyond the story. We can find it in the, the space, the spaciousness, the stillness, the the silence. After the, after the story. Or like even in, in like reflection. Or even between thoughts. Like uh-huh. you're right. Like there's a space of like, oh, in this space there's just peace. Mm-hmm. You know? So can you find that peace even amidst the the story? I think that's that's like a Worth, worth, worth inquiring into I anyway. Worth, I, I think it's worth, a worthy pursuit. <laughs> yeah, worthy pursuit. That's it. It does feel like that impossible thing. Yeah. You know, which I, I've always found impossible things are the place to go. Yeah. You know, as soon as yeah. I go, oh, that's impossible. Then yeah. Like, that's where I lean. Yeah. It's a little bit like um, fear and, mm-hmm. again, conflict. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan of being around people that have strong opinions mm-hmm. and hold them. Mm-hmm. And don't want to be changed. Really? Yeah, I think that those are those people uh, deserve exploration. Mm. You know, I think that if we spent more time um, exploring mm-hmm. what that belief is, and, and maybe even the origin, but certainly like what how it's presently showing up for somebody mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, that's a that's a powerful. That's I think that's what we're here to do. Mm. Right, is to identify our differences and then explore what those are. So yeah, so anytime somebody's convicted mm-hmm. to a specific programming, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to know. I want to know why and how. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to go into the dark corners and mm-hmm. dig up what the mystery is, and mm-hmm. especially if they're strong for that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there an example of someone that you can think of in your life, like presently mm-hmm. or recently? Uh, yeah, so uh, my mom, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna, uh, uh, so she, um, she voted for Trump, mm-hmm. and we were having the conversation about eight months into his term mm-hmm. last year, and she said, I just wish that everybody wouldn't be so everybody wouldn't ridicule him so hard. Yeah. Like, I wish that they would just give him a chance. Like, yes, he's only had eight months. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, well, what was, what was eight months into Obama's term like for you? Did you think he did a great job? No, he did, he didn't do this, he didn't do that, he didn't do this, he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, wow, so the, so the, the story here is that you want everybody to give Trump a chance, but you weren't willing to give Obama a chance. Mm-hmm. She went, oh, I, I can see what you're saying, but da 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 right? And so it was. It was a fun exploration, and I, and I think the Trump story is one again worth exploring because there are a lot of people like we have a leader in our country that has created divisiveness in a in a in a lot of people. Mm-hmm. People have swung extreme side or extreme side, yeah. and now we're looking at this chasm between the people of this country and the rest of the planet. Yeah. Who are paying attention politically? Mm-hmm. To um, we have an opportunity to go. Okay, now that we find ourselves so far apart, let's understand what's out there. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, one of the things I think that's it's totally resonant what you're saying. I th- I think that we're in a space now with things like Facebook and these you know groups that we can create where people want to find people that. I just want to be with, I want to hear, hear a lot. I just want to be with like-minded people. Like people will come to my retreats and they'll say, I came here because I want to be on the opening circle. I came here because I want to be with like-minded people. 
I'm like, well, you came to the wrong place. I'm so sorry, you know. <laughs> it's like there is nowhere where there's life. Everybody has different thoughts, ideas, and we have to learn to to be interested in the differences. You know, we don't have to we don't have to all of a sudden be converted or change. But I think that it's really healthy right now to have a forum where we can explore people with very different uh, perspectives. And we have a place where we can listen to each other and talk to each other. I mean, there's not many places for that. You know, you have the, you know, the kind of left-wing station, the right-wing station, and all those people watch that show. They watch it. There's like two different realities of what's going on. Totally. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm totally with that. I think it's really important. And you're making me feel just like in, in, uh, in this conversation, like we think, yeah, even here it'd be good to have some people that maybe have some views that are like really different than mine, and to have an interesting like, you know dialogue and be curious about I don't have to just be curious like where you're coming from you mm -hmm. know what 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 made you develop this this worldview because one of the things that I've come to realize is that this I mean just say it straight out like everybody's right that's what I've come to realize everybody has like a piece of the truth mm -hmm. you know there, there's a way that people are seeing something so I've come to see things not as either or but both and and what I would say is like what does happen that where the divisiveness comes or where the kind of um, not seeing the humanity of other people comes is we're not the challenge is to integrate these different ways of seeing things like this is a this is a part of me this is a part of me that's everything I'm seeing is a part of myself mm -hmm. you know so if I see you your your reflection in me and I can integrate that part of me integrate that part of me and then there's peace you know, and I emanate that peace and love. And, mm -hmm. anyway, I just said a lot. Anything, anything <laughs> stimulates you there? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm tracking back to um, your people who come and say like-minded. Yes. Um, yes. So, so my initial reaction when you said, I, I just want to be around yeah. people, you know, people yeah. who are like-minded. Yeah. I said, no, you don't. Yeah. Like, that's that's actually not what you want. Yeah. What, you, what, what I think they're saying is, I want to find out what is what my mind is like mm -hmm. and I want to find people who I can share a reality with mm -hmm. so that I can better define my reality yeah that's what I think they're saying yeah they're not actually saying I want to be surrounded by like-minded people yeah you know what else I found out they're really saying I think what they're really saying is I just want to be somewhere where I can feel like I can be myself and I can yeah. just be like authentic and vulnerable yeah and it's like yeah you can do that here yeah this, this is a good place for that yeah like that yeah like, well we welcome this too <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, and then, yeah. I, and then I think, um, so I, this goes back to like the conviction, right? So if I heard somebody say that, like I want to be around people who mm -hmm. are like-minded, mm -hmm. um, I would imagine that those people are in a world where they're seeing the people around them every day, and they're going, not like me, not like yeah. me, not like me, not like yeah. me. And I think what you said after that piece was mm -hmm. identifying how I am like. How how I how that is me how that is me how that is me how that is, and and how am I in you? Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's ultimately what we're seeking is to yeah. define better my piece of the truth. Yeah. And if I can get your piece of the truth, then I could integrate that in with mine. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then the, then the the potential back to the virtual reality thing the thing that really excites me the potential to create our own reality. You know, so like the way I'm perceiving something is not. It's like if I'm looking this way, that's just I'm just looking this way. That's not reality. You know, there's all these other, you know, perspectives, mm -hmm. right? So it kind of frees me up to 
create, co-create our reality. You know, our reality as a, as a species, as a planet, as as a yep. community, yep. as a family. So I think it's really exciting. That's that's what I feel, what, that's what excites me about the, the, the virtual reality, like where it's. Where yeah, it's, it's going. like uh, it's like the question. I'm making this up. Um, what do we need to know about reality in order to fully experience it? Uh-huh. Yeah. What, what would your answer be? What, what would we need to know about reality in order? To I would say my my sense. That could be wrong. If there's a wrong, but my sense is nothing. I think. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that what we need to know about our experience of uh, reality is that we can't know it yeah. fully. Yeah. And once we acknowledge that we can't know it fully. Mm-hmm. And we say, okay, that's impossible. Yeah. Then we pursue it, mm-hmm. knowing we're gonna fail. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. We're gonna constantly miss. Yeah. You know, a huge percentage. Yeah. Like a percentage that would make all of us really uncomfortable. Yeah. Yet we make decisions based on that tiny percent of what we actually are consciously aware that mm-hmm. we're exper- perceiving the reality to be, and we're making these huge, bold, powerful decisions about it. I think that that's, I don't know, that feels as dangerous as driving a car. You know, like, like it make, it actually makes driving feel, hor- like anything that we do that's physically dangerous in, this, dangerous in this world, with as little as we know about what is actually happening, uh-huh. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a fear-prone person, so I'm, well, I'm neither like, am I. so I lean, I lean into that we're talking stuff. all this crazy shit in front of right. whoever listens. <laughs> whoever will listen to us pontificating. Yeah. yeah, I think that um, I think those are that's an interesting pursuit though to find out what the differences are and and I think the more different a person's perspective can be, the more valuable it is to explore. Yeah, but but, but then the other thing I see is it it allows me to potentially change my perspective, right? So you become like you can evolve. Yeah, you can evolve. It's like because I think so many people think oh, I'm just this. This is all I am. I'm just Bob or John or Sally or I'm, this is just who I am and I can tell you my personality traits and this is what I am all over be but this is opening us up to to realize we're more than that we're infinitely more than that mm-hmm. right and we and we can we can become any character that we want to be and that goes back to the what you're getting excited about is the the recoding potential to recode to reprogram mm-hmm. when we realize that this is a program I have is this program still serving me maybe it is maybe it's not maybe this part of it is but this part of it's not. You know, so we can kind of recode ourselves, reprogram ourselves in the same way we would program a, a video game. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Updates. Yeah, updates. <laughs> bu- bu- updates. Bug fixes. Yeah. Bug fixes. Yeah. So that goes back to, you said, I want to circle back, because I want to circle back to that question. That was, that's what I was going to say. Like, you can evolve the game as a player. Yeah. Because people start playing a game, and they're like, oh, we need, we want to update this, or yeah, yeah. fix this yeah. bug, or yeah. So there's, there's a really fascinating game that was very much a rabbit hole. Uh-huh. Um, it was called Glitch. Uh-huh. And I, Totally love this game. Amazing game, um, but it was uh, it was a platformer. So you dig like eight, I think it was eight levels into mm-hmm. this glitch world, mm-hmm. and all the edges of the glitch world um, had these shrines. And part of the game was that you collect stuff and then you dump them in the shrines mm-hmm. and you get like spiritual points or whatever. And uh, if enough people put enough stuff in the shrine. Mm-hmm then the game developers would build that part of the world mm-hmm. further. So it was a little bit like you were voting or cat or and the players were actually saying, We want you to you know, we want you to evolve this, evolve this, evolve mm-hmm. this. 
And they would do all kinds of weird stuff where, like, crows would attack the whole the whole game. Like, yeah. not attack a person, yeah. a, an objective. Like, yeah. crows would tear the screen off of your computer <laughs> as you were playing the nice. game. Like, it was such an interesting way yeah. of flipping the script of we, the game makers, are at your bidding, players. Yeah. Right? Really. Because yeah. I, I think that most games are after a certain playable, you know, they're looking for playability, they're looking for marketability, yeah. they're businesses, and they yeah. need to thrive in some way, and there have been some really disruptive models that have come out, but that mm -hmm. particular one, I've never seen anyone through the game itself, through the play activity itself, cause change in the game, to the game itself. It would be like Mario, like Super Mario Brothers, mm -hmm. like... If everybody hits this block, then we're gonna make that block turn into something brand new. But you know, we weren't online then, so it's a bad metaphor. Yeah, but they would do like Mario Two or Mario Three, mm, sure. which I presume was based on feedback that they were getting from right. From but players. it was feedback outside the game. Yeah, that's. I think that's yeah. the distinction that no, I'm no, identifying. No, I get that. Like being in the game and changing the way the game. There are lots of stories, storylines in games now where you can, it's a little bit of a pick your own path. Yes. You know, where choose you... Choose your own adventure. Yeah, choose your own adventure. You're, you, you do more negative things in the game and you're going to cause your character to become stronger in the villain yeah. archetype. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Yeah. I just, I'm just going to convey it because something just kind of, I'm going to do this again. So, it's like, games amidst games amidst games and every game is affecting every other game does that make sense mm -hmm. so like um, you're playing a video game but then what's happening in this reality game is affecting what's happening in the video game and then what's happening in that person's game then maybe they're playing a video game and then that's affecting what's happening in their life which is affecting the video game so I'm seeing like all these games worlds yeah. and they're all affecting every other world and um, I just think it's amazing to just no to notice that because we you know we think <clears throat> that we are separate and then we feel alone and we feel that you know it could be a sense of depression and that and different suffering but we look at it from this wider perspective like everything is affecting every other thing you know always and infinitely yeah. and it's just you know the mind can't comprehend it but you can you can feel it yeah. you know I'm yeah, a part it's, of something that's so systems, bad systems yeah. theory yes it's like you change one small system and yes. it affects all the rest Yes. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah. uh, a lot of what you're touching on, and I think that where you're curious is a lot of what Jane McGonigal has focused on. Mm -hmm. She's amazing. You should definitely watch her TED Talk. Mm -hmm. Her books are incredible. But she thinks a lot about how games have impacted everything that we do. Um, I th there was one study that was done around... So there's actually two studies I'll cite. One was done around Farmville. Mm -hmm. Remember when Farmville was big? Mm -hmm. Right? So they said that... Um, the, the study was like if they if they caught if they created an event mm -hmm. in Farmville at a specific time that they could control you know X percent of the population into focusing in one place at one time mm -hmm. so it's like incredible power just to be able to like m manipulate control a populace um, so I thought that that was interesting the other one was about um, citizen engagement. So it was a study that was done about um, gamers 
of a specific game, which was a, a, a 5v5, it's what's called a MOBA, or a massive online battle arena. Mm -hmm. And the these kids that were playing the game, they were in college, mm -hmm. they compared how likely were they to vote, um, rally, mm -hmm. uh, you know, do one of these civic mm -hmm. engagement things, yeah. versus um, mid-30s parents of kids younger than five. So, like, this population of mid-30s, very engaged statistically, versus these, like, 20-somethings that are playing video, playing this one particular type of video game. And they found that 23% more likely these kids were to participate than these parents were. And that, to me, woke me up to, uh, to something that was happening in the, in the video game world, which was these games that are causing kids, players... To, to work together, to yep. become better at the game by working with you to achieve a specific goal, right? Yeah. So it's like collaborative competition yep. games, and that's what we see all over the place right now. Everybody's playing, well, it's actually, we, we have the mo one of the most divisive games out there right now, which is um, Fortnite yeah. and PUBG, yeah. and these games which are Hunger Games-ish, right? Where it's every person for themselves, unless you clan up, and then... And you know, any gamer out there that's played those games knows that they're going to get backstabbed by one of their players at some point. It's just an inevitable part of the game unless you're playing groups. So anyway, I just think that there's something really interesting about the video gaming world and the simulation world, you know, whether that's conscious human simulation or unconscious human simulation. And then these video games have a lot to teach us about our own behavior and how we can... Explore it at least. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about let's talk about the future for a moment, um, and then you know, something that you're doing now. But do you see anywhere you want to go in the future? I'm, I'm fascinated here where you, where you see we're going in like 20, 30 years. But the specific question I have is: Do you see what I was alluding to earlier, where these virtual reality games will become so real, quote unquote, that they'll be indistinguishable from from this? Uh, they're really close. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say yeah. inside of VR, yeah. more and more people, I can put them into scenarios where they, I can, where they would confront a fear or they would confront something because it feels so real. Yeah. So I think that we're really close, but we're still really, at the same time, we're really far away. I don't think, so this is a really, this is an age-old question in virtual reality, right? Which is... Can we simulate reality such that we don't know the difference? And I don't think the answer is yes. I don't think we'll ever get there. Um, I think we'll come so close that there will be a generation of people that um, that uh, will maybe choose a simulated reality or a tech-enhanced reality over the... This boring old thing? This boring old thing, yeah. <laughs> This boring, peaceful thing. Yeah. Right? Uh, or this boring, uh, sheesh, um, the, uh, the opposite of peace, whatever that is. Yeah. Fear and hate. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I don't think we'll ever get there. Uh -huh. I think in, in 20 years, we, you know, driving will be a hobby. Mm -hmm. Race tracks will be a thing. Mm -hmm. um, because, because of automated cars. Yeah, because we, we won't, Driving will be a, a luxury, not because we're driving on roads, but because I can go and get one of these old cars and drive it around a track. 
and that'll be fun because we won't do it every day. Um, I think that the number of deaths that occur will dramatically decrease to the point where when, when someone does die, especially if it's accidental, we will be so deeply moved um, because we will have figured out so many medical ways of keeping ourselves alive and awake and active. So I, I mean, I, I mean, in terms someone, of, sorry, do you mean when someone dies like young or someone dies like before? Or like, in, like, because car accidents will still happen on automated cars. Yeah. But they'll be, they'll be, you know, two percent of the number of car accidents that happen today. But that two percent will be dramatic. Like that'll be newsworthy. Mm-hmm. Like if we reported every car crash that happened in the world that yeah. killed somebody, that would be, we would be nonstop. That would be, a, that would be like seventeen channels. Yeah. Of constant news. Mm-hmm. So, I think there's a lot coming. That we um, that it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I think we will wear lenses that'll augment our vision. I think that we'll have um, uh, you know along with the five main senses and the myriad of other senses that neurologists are still Mm -hmm. discovering. Yeah, proprioception and all these other like senses that what's proprioception? Proprioception is our sense of space. Okay. So, like, if you closed your eyes, you would still have a sense of what's going on around you. That's why, like, when we close somebody's eyes and we want to disorient them, we spin them, mm-hmm. right? So that they get, that their proprioception goes kind of out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still have it. Like, if you if you paid attention to it, you could still have your proprioception. But it's not based on the eyes. It's not based on the hearing. It's not mm-hmm. based on any of our other sen- cardinal mm-hmm. senses. Specifically, it's another sense. Mm-hmm. So, um... I think as we use this technology where we're hijacking our senses, mm-hmm. which is what we're doing, right? We're putting a, a mask on your face and we're emitting lights into your eyes so that you, so that the sense that you have about the world is hijacked mm-hmm. and you believe that it's real, mm-hmm. right? We do the same thing with our sound. Um, eventually we'll be doing the same thing by adding senses to this world that we wouldn't, that we don't currently practice, right? So infrared is an example. Heat is an example. Um, you know, there's all kinds of, like, look, look at a, a dashboard of meters and pick any one of them, and we could train ourselves to feel that sense. We could train ourselves to learn what that sense is. This isn't new technology. This is as old as virtual reality, mm-hmm. but it's not in the market, right? We're not doing this actively, um, because we're still learning about it. We're still learning how the brain works, and I think we're going to learn a lot more about all of that as this technology evolves. So I say embrace it and lean in and explore it, get to know it. It's not going to... I don't think it's going to take us over. Mm-hmm. I don't think that'll, that'll ever happen. I think mm-hmm. robots... We have, there are some real concerns about mm-hmm. where robots are going and mm-hmm. how VR can affect us and how augmented reality can affect us. Artificial intelligence is, you know, kind of at the central of all that, mm-hmm. which gets into a whole different conversation. Here we're talking about reality; that's talking about intelligence. I think they're intertwined, but yeah. um, but that's a that's a different hour. Mm-hmm. To be continued on that one. <laughs> Artificial intelligence. Yeah. Um, so what are you what are you up to now? Um, better than unicorns and. Tell, tell people what you have happening and what you're excited about that you're working on right now. Yeah. Um, so with Better Than Unicorns, we've mm-hmm. got uh, a virtual reality arcade 
where people can come and play and try out VR. So I would say, uh, you know, come down and, and put a headset on and explore it. Um, we built the arcade just to do that, just to give people the first-hand experience of what it's like to explore the technology now. It's evolving, so evolve with us. Uh, we're in the process of making team building experiences in VR. So I was an outward bound instructor, and um, you know anyone that's ever done a ropes course, you know your instructor should have said it's like it's not about the wall, it's not about the ropes, it's about what you debrief and what you experience while you're climbing the wall or while you're you know up on the ropes and confronting some fear. That's what it's about. Right, so simulating these um, potentially dangerous or um, giving you the opportunity to overcome with courage some challenge. Yeah. Right, we were talking about the hero's journey earlier. Yeah. Like yeah. these team building experiences, what they do is simulate for us how we will behave when we're confronted by a yeah. challenge. Yeah. And so we're just using games mm -hmm. and co-oping the senses mm -hmm. with. Um, uh, to do exactly that, mm -hmm. so we're developing some some futuristic space-like stuff that uh, that's impossible to do here on the planet, uh, and that's exciting because every time we have a group that comes in, there are these amazing debriefs that come out of you know they come out of play, they come out of games, and I that's the way I've always lived my life, um, and so it's amazing to me to be able to give. Um, give that reflection to a whole other team of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so betterthanunicorns.com is the way to find us. It feels like the theme of what is like transcending limiting beliefs. It feels like the, this can be an aid to like really face limiting beliefs and the transcend them. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here. And yeah, you got it. Sharing and um, just being open to what arises in the space. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Annie. May you all have a beautiful day. And uh, see you in the next now.